This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. We'll share seven proven strategies from a woman's guide to healthy aging. Plus, there's both good and bad news about Zoomer's financial health. We'll have a snapshot from the latest census on money, work, and well-being for the demographic. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A new global aging index studied how 30 countries adapt to their aging population. Japan has the healthiest seniors, Spain has strong social support systems, while Canada got top marks in the area of geriatric health care and prevention. 83-year-old veteran broadcaster Larry King is healthy now but battled lung cancer over the summer after doctors found a spot on his lung during a routine checkup. Fortunately, King's malignant tumor was discovered at an early stage and he was able to have it surgically removed. Larry now urges people to insist on getting a chest X-ray as part of their routine checkup. Cycling Without Age, a volunteer-run program that began in Denmark, uses tricycles with front seating to take seniors out for a ride. With over 225 chapters around the world, including Canada, the seniors enjoy getting out of their retirement homes on the bikes to enjoy fresh air and visit the community. The program was the subject of a BBC film that went viral with over 20 million views. Such a change to get out of the four walls, I really enjoy it. The f- fresh air and the wind in your hair. It's just amazing. Ageism is alive and well in Hollywood. A University of Southern California study found that older characters are dramatically underrepresented on most popular TV shows. Actors 60 and older made up just 9.4% of the speaking roles and only 8.2% of series regular roles. Stars like Kim Cattrall, Jessica Lange and Jane Fonda are speaking out on the issue. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The numbers tell the tale of changes in the way Zoomers live. More people are working beyond the conventional retirement age, and most are satisfied with their lives. It's a snapshot of the demographic from the latest census. And as I learned from Nora Spinks of the Vanier Institute of the Family, there is both good and bad news. The rate of seniors living below the poverty line rose from 12% in 2005 to 14% in 2015. How serious is that increase? Well, I think it's always serious when we see people slip. The good news is, by and large, most seniors are doing okay. And many of them, even though their income numbers might be relatively low, it only tells part of the picture. 
We also have to look at their expenditures. We have to look at savings and debt. We have to also look at their wealth and net worth. Their income may be low. They may be able to supplement that with retirement savings or investments, or they may have assets that they're able to cash out, sell that home, downsize, and they've got plenty of resources in order to live on a day-to-day basis. Where the biggest challenges are, are single seniors living alone in rental housing where there's no family supports and where they're living exclusively on government pensions. On the employment side, I find this very interesting that the average earnings for families where the major income earner is aged over 65 are very much like uh, average earnings for the rest of the population. It's Mm $70,500. And we know that seniors participate in the paid labor force for one of two reasons, either choice or circumstance or a combination of the two. And choice is seniors wanting to work making a decision that they go to work because they want to maintain their careers or they want to continue making a contribution to the community. Circumstance is the other, where they'd rather not be doing it, but their financial circumstances require that they do. And that's either to supplement the government pensions that they're getting or to provide additional funds in order to cover expenses that perhaps they hadn't anticipated. And so that often will push seniors into a situation of consumer debt, which is always high interest, or they begin to draw out of their line of credit and go into debt, either mortgage or line of credit debt. And so that begins to create a spiral that is often difficult to get out of if you're a senior on a fixed income. Whether you're working because you have to or because you want to, uh, it's always difficult for older people to get work. So the fact that the numbers are going up to me say maybe it's becoming easier to get that work. Uh, Labor force participation for 65 to 69-year-olds in 2013, 25.5%. For seniors as a whole, 13.4%. Those numbers are up. So is there a positive in that? Absolutely. And and there's two reasons for that. One, if you're maintaining the job that you've had throughout your own career, because we don't have mandatory retirement anymore and because more employers are interested in retaining high-performing talent and because there's less stigma attached to working beyond 65, many are staying in the jobs that they've always had. Others have chosen to leave that career and go into what we now call an exit-level job. We used to refer to as entry-level jobs. And what we're now seeing is um, seniors actually competing for employment with their grandchildren. So doing retail and service and hospitality and tourism. This is interesting. 47% of seniors we're carrying some type of debt, and that is a big increase, up from 27% in 1999. And 16.5% of people over 55 carrying a mortgage where it used to be kind of sacrosanct. You got rid of that mortgage by that age. And part of that is the high cost of housing, and part of that is people drawing equity out of their homes. What's interesting about seniors going into debt is that it is a relatively new phenomenon. And one of the fastest growing groups of people declaring bankruptcy are, in fact, seniors. Having said that, many are able to live quite comfortably on their savings, on their pensions, supplementing 
the government resources, which is a universal program. And in fact, for a lot of women who are in their 60s, the minute they turn 65 and start receiving those government funds, their income actually goes up. It's important to pause for a minute and think about where that income goes. So it used to be fairly simple that $70,000 income stayed in that house and was used by the people who lived in that house. Now you could have $70,000 income, and part of that goes to pay your grandchildren's childcare or their summer camp, or it might go to pay for your children's education or their down payment on their home. Or you may, even at 65 or 70, be supporting your own parents in their 90s. Oh, yeah, that's a new phenomenon. That's very new. We've known for a long time that as people get older, they get happier and more satisfied with life. But some of these numbers are very encouraging. 45% uh, report their health to be very good or excellent. 89% reported that they were satisfied or very satisfied with life and also that they're social. People are healthy, people are happy, people are able to remain independent, people are sitting on some equity, Um, they're looking forward to leaving something to the next generation or helping them while they're still here. And by and large, most are fairly active in their community and have an engaging and, and vibrant social life. Okay. Nora Spinks, thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. That was Nora Spinks, CEO of the Vanier Institute of the Family. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, what women need to do to stay healthy as we age. From noted women's health expert, Dr. Vivian Brown. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Dr. Vivian Brown, author of A Woman's Guide to Healthy Aging, Seven Proven Ways to Keep You Vibrant, Happy, and Strong, shares her best tips for healthy aging. So, listen up, Zoomers. Dr. Vivian Brown, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Why did you decide to write this book? Why do we need it? Well, you know what, Libby? It's a really good question. I've been in practice now more than 35 years. And what I thought is, as I was working and and sort of speaking to patients one-on-one, I thought that there's only so many people I can see in a day. And maybe what I should do is just put together what I'm talking about every day to patients and put it in a book. This is a, a woman's guide to healthy aging, and you've broken it down to seven proven ways. That, that sort of reads like a magazine cover. Interesting, you start with brain health. I think brain health is something that's been overlooked in a lot of ways for women. And I think it's really one of the most important areas. As we watch women with cognitive impairment, we really realize the impact of brain health on everything else in our body. Women are more at risk for depression, Alzheimer's, MS, a number of different brain diseases. We're just learning about the hormones in the brain, serotonin and dopamine and how these hormones work and how estrogen works in the brain. And women have different stresses in their life and stress has a huge impact on aging. Some of the areas that we're learning about in terms of hormonal impact, in terms of stress, in terms of our abilities to speak and our verbal skills are different in men and women. 
I'm looking at the things that you recommend, and a lot of them are the usual things. Exercise, good foods, and meditation. Yeah. Well, you know, it sounds so trite. Everybody knows that exercise is important for cardiac health. But when we really break it down and we look at exercise and the impact on brain health, what we find is that blood flow to the hippocampus, to that area of the brain that is involved with memory, really changes before and after exercise. It puts a different perspective on how important exercise is. A lot of women would be surprised that the number one cause of death for Canadian women is heart disease, not breast yeah. cancer. Heart and stroke is still the number one cause of death in Canada. And we pick up women later in, the, in terms of heart disease than we do for men. Women often don't present to emergency the way men do. Women get less aggressive treatment in hospital. By the time women have a heart attack, they actually do worse in the long run than their male counterparts. Stress has an impact. Cholesterol has an impact. Smoking has an impact. These are all things we've talked about previously, but I want to make it clear to people about the impact this has on your cardiac risk, on your health risk overall. The number one event that women will have after age 50, more than breast cancer, heart and stroke combined, is a fracture. And a fracture often leads to the lack of independent living. And so I felt the chapter on osteoporosis was really important as women dread the thought of not living independently, of ending up in a nursing home, of ending up uh, not being able to walk properly. Exercise is huge. Huge. It's important for balance. It's important for bone strength. And it's not that exercise alone will, quote unquote, cure osteoporosis. But by keeping your muscles strong, it keeps your bones aligned, you're less likely to fall. And falls prevention is really important. You know, women are astounded when I tell them that somewhere between 20 to 25% of women after a hip fracture will die in that first year. A hip fracture is a serious, serious event. There's been a lot of back and forth on the question of vitamin D supplements. You recommend them. Yeah. North Americans don't get much vitamin D from the sun, and so a good proportion of us are low in vitamin D. And vitamin D supplementation is inexpensive. It it has very little risk, and we think it has good benefit. Calcium, on the other hand, we should be getting from dietary sources, not from supplements. We don't absorb it well from supplements, and we do much better overall if we're eating a diet high in calcium. That's dairy products, salmon, almonds, broccoli, and that's important lifelong. Hormone replacement therapy. For a while, it was considered completely a terrible thing. Then there were new guidelines for it, but I'm not sure people are aware. The issue with hormone therapy is it depends how old you are. It depends when you went through menopause, if you're having hot flashes, and what the situation is. Do I put a woman in her 60s on hormones? No, I do not. Would I put a woman in her early 50s who's basically healthy but symptomatic? Yes, I would. And you say older women should get vaccinations. Absolutely. Number one vaccine as far as I'm concerned for the whole population is flu and pneumonia. You know, flu and pneumonia are preventable. 
These are the number six cause of death in Canada worldwide, huge numbers. We see influenza being a major cause of hospitalization. And, you know, when you put an older person in hospital, they're at risk for blood clots, they're at risk for other infections. This is a deadly disease. And for those of us over 50, over the age of 60, shingles vaccine is really a wonderful vaccine that's changing the face of a very common disease. Is there any other advice you'd like to leave us with? Pay attention to yourself. To give yourself some time is not being selfish. It's actually being selfless. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be here to take care of others, to participate with your family, and to enjoy those later years. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Vivian Brown. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure. That was Dr. Vivian Brown. Her book is published by Barlow Books. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, hats off to the Canadian music man who keeps on spinning. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Star Wars fans know him as Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, but theater fans in the U.K. will see Ian McDermott as Enoch Powell, a Tory MP who stirred up a racial tempest with his famous anti-immigration Rivers of Blood speech in 1968. The play, What Shadows, is at the Lyceum Theatre in Edinburgh. It moves to the Park Theatre in London September 26th. This is the final weekend for the annual Paris Biennale. The historic Grand Palais is hosting exhibits from some of the world's most impressive art galleries. It's also the final weekend to catch Groundhog Day, the musical, at the August Wilson Theater in New York. Once a year, the eyes of the nation turn to this tiny hamlet in western Pennsylvania to watch a master at work. Punks at Tony Phil, a groundhog. The stage adaptation of the Danny Rubin, Harold Ramis comedy was nominated for seven Tonys. And Zoomer snowbirds with a thing for fast cars may want to plan a stop on their trip south to Bowling Green. That's where the National Corvette Museum has opened a new exhibit covering the history of transportation in Kentucky from the late 1700s to the current day. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, Canadian blues, jazz, and rock musician David Clayton Thomas celebrated his 76th birthday. Like so many Toronto-based musicians from the Zoomer generation, he began his career gigging in Yorkville clubs and on the Young Street Strip. His talent was noticed by another local musician, Ronnie Hawkins, who took Clayton Thomas under his wing. He introduced him to the right people, and it wasn't long before David was fronting his own bands and performing alongside people like John Lee Hooker. It was Hooker who took him to New York City, where he performed in front of Judy Collins. Collins was so impressed by his sound that she called a friend, drummer Bobby Colombi. His band, Blood, Sweat & Tears, had just broken up shortly after releasing their debut album. Columbia was taken by David Clayton Thomas's voice. He got his band back together, and the rest, as they say, is history. Blood, Sweat, and Tears went on to record a number of hit singles and studio albums. And since then, 
David Clayton Thomas has had a very successful career as a solo blues and jazz singer. Right now, we'll hear the iconic song from Blood, Sweat, and Tears' eponymous debut with David Clayton Thomas. Here is Spinning Wheel. That was Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Spinning Wheel. David Clayton Thomas celebrated his 76th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when the man in motion marks the 30th anniversary of his world tour. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.